This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a big show, a real big shoe. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and you know, with everyone cozying up at home together, we thought it's a good time for a game show. Today, we'll argue through the 20 signs that show you might be spending too much money at the supermarket, and not just on toilet paper. Today, we welcome from YesIAmCheap.com, the savvy Sandy Smith. I'm thinking with a name like YesIAmCheap, Sandy's probably got a leg up on everyone else in this game show, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. Also, we have from the Afford Anything podcast, clever shopper Paula Pant. And from LenPenzo.com, it's Sam Walton. Oh, my God, the founder of Walmart? Nah, I'm kidding. But wouldn't it be kind of creepy weird if it weren't? Uh, anyway, today it's only Len Penzo, but that's not all. During our Friday FinTech segment, are you launching your own side hustle or startup? Where will you bank? Today, we talk to one of the people behind an app and banking platform made specifically for self-employed people called Joust, George Kurtika. Of course, we'll still magnify someone's money. And last but certainly not least, I will test you with my famous trivia. And now, say hello to a guy who never passes on a deal for stale jokes, Joe Salciha. They're great jokes, Doug. Are you kidding me? They're phenomenal jokes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday here in the basement. I am Joe Salci. Hi, I have Joe Money on Twitter. And my partner, OG, is not here today. But the man in the bunker is here. Mr. Len Penzo's on my dad's shortwave. How are you, man? 
I am doing wonderful. How are you, Joe? Is this is this like uh, you know? I understand there's people hurting and there's there's bad stuff happening around the world, but there has to be a little piece of Len Penza that goes, "I told you." <laughs> no, I. You know, one of the. I'll never say I told you so ever, ever, ever. Nobody likes that. No. Nobody. No, not at all. But it's about damn time for that gold to go up, isn't it? <laughs> After all these well, years of waiting. Know. Yes. <laughs> but the co- the price of that lead was fairly high. The price of, oh, to, for the gold to go up? <laughs> yes. The price has been <laughs> yeah, fairly Yeah, just high. a little bit, but that's what it does, right? That's what gold does. That is. And the person who they call the gold of Las Vegas Probably, probably. <laughs> it's, it's Paula Pant. That didn't sound good, Paula. The gold of Las Vegas. Well, it depends on how you interpret it. Maybe it means like the shining beacon of the city. Well, that's what I um, meant, but it, but it sounds the, like Paula's getting ready for a big moment on the stage show. You know? <laughs> oh, speaking of which, there's a strip club that has a big sign that you can see from the highway. And they're advertising, and I, I am not joking, I quote... Coronavirus free lap dances. <laughs> Socially distant lap dances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't even want to know. Like, Stay do, six feet apart. <laughs> do, do you even want to know? I have no idea. I, I don't want to know. I'm sure they're just normal lap dances and the club is saying that their dancers are coronavirus free, even though we don't have adequate testing to actually prove that. Jeez. <laughs> and in New York City... The woman with a plan. We're so glad she's back to save the show. Sandy Smith from Yes, I Am Cheap is here. In my bunker. In your bunker. How are you? Because I keep hearing over and over that uh, New York, and you know this better than I do, is like uh, the home of coronavirus now. Like like when you go in, it says, welcome to the home of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, they give you the t-shirt on your way in and cough in your face just to make sure. Well, tell me, because you're wearing your awesome Elevate Conference t-shirt. Tell me what's going on with, with you guys. Well, there's supposed to be a conference in Washington, D.C. at the end of June. Um, that might get moved just because people are infectious these days. But it's a conference to bring together people in the personal finance space who reach primarily people of color. So it would be a good time. We had a great party. I mean, conference last year. <laughs> so we were hoping for a bigger conference this year. But that family reunion is uh, it's teetering right now. I think, Paula, it's got to be true that wherever Sandy is, there's a party slash conference. <laughs> Sandy is the party conference. <laughs> it's the same. Those two words mean the same thing. Well, we're hoping that we get to help you put on that again this year because we had so much fun helping make that yeah. success last year. We're we're excited to get involved. But today, today, we have some super excitement here on the show. You guys ready for this? I'm so ready. I've been Let's in my bunker it. for two weeks. Get this. You know what that noise means. If you've listened to the show, that means it is game show time, everybody. In just a second, we are going to have the game show for no prizes. Lots of fun, though. And, uh, you know, people can play along at home. Here's the way we play. We're going to do three rounds. The first round, if you guess something that's on the list from today's piece, you will get one point. The second round, you will get two points. And the third round, you will get three points. All right. The list today comes to us from USA Today. And the second that Karen, our producer, saw this, she said, oh, we got to we got to do this because 
you know how grocery stores lately have been have been just oh what a nightmare they have been we thought it would be fun to do some grocery store stuff and this piece by the way was written by and i'm going to read you from the from the top of it just a little bit this piece is written by coleman andrews grocery shopping 20 signs you may be spending too much money at the supermarket uh he writes food is the third largest living expense after housing and transportation for the average american family that's probably inevitable we have to eat to live and for a whole host of reasons the things we like to eat and especially those are both satisfying and nutritious tend to cost a fair amount of money you might be surprised at how much according to the usda's monthly report on the cost of food at home we often end up paying more for food than we should though for reasons that are largely our own fault we shop badly we don't take advantage of ways to save money uh he says a few other things that are on the list unlike many corners of the world we're a nation of plenty at least for the more fortunate among us, there are nearly 40,000 grocery stores around the country, more than 26,000 supermarkets stocking a full line of groceries, meat, and produce. Newcomers to America are frequently amazed by the variety and sheer abundance offered by such places. So here is the question, and these come to us. It says 24-7 Tempo has assembled a list of things you might do or not do that can run up your food bill. You'd likely be surprised how much these behaviors might cost you each year. So we have a list of 20 here. Sandy is the guest in round one. Would you like to go first in the middle or last? Um, in the middle. All I right. Like being a sandwich. So that means that Paula then will have go first. So Paula, you're kick, you're kicking it off. What is some? Now these are behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. What are so, what's a behavior that may cost you at the supermarket? Only looking at uh, products that are stacked at eye level rather than looking at products or stack that are stacked on the lowest levels or the highest levels. That's funny because I had even forgotten that, by the way. And and I remember like fourth grade, we had this class about shopping and they talked about mm-hmm. that in fourth grade about how grocery stores will stack stuff at eye level. Of course, mm-hmm. that's, that's why I come home with uh, peanut M&Ms all the time. <laughs> right at my eye level. It I is. mean, it's got to be quite a range, right? Eye level, if you're five foot one, as I am, is very different than eye level That's if you're six just, two. I was just thinking, <laughs> eye, level, eye level for you and me are two totally different things. Yeah. All right. Is shopping mostly at eye level on the list? It is not oh, on the list. No? It makes Shocking. sense. Well, and remember, the, the problem with these things is that it isn't whether they're right or wrong, because I think that's totally right. But this is all up to Coleman. So don't blame me being Coleman Andrews from USA Today or 24-7 Wall Street. Sandy, we got 20 of them here. What's a behavior at the supermarket that could cost you? You do what I did yesterday. You go when you're hungry and then you buy everything. I love that. I'm like, how did those cool ranch Doritos get in my bag? When there's I got no three in- different versions of chips. Mm. Is shopping hungry on the list? Nice job, Sandy. Coleman writes, by the way, to your point, big mistake. When you're hungry, everything looks good. Even if it's not on your list or in your plan, supermarkets depend on their customers making impulse buys and use many tricks to accomplish this goal. If you walk into the treasure house of food products that's the modern supermarket with a raging appetite, you're just making it easier for them to tempt you into putting things you really don't need or want into your cart. I don't know why, Paula, but I, I would imagine that you don't do that very often. Like you don't, um, you don't binge shop very often. Mm. I typically shop with a list, but I'll definitely pick up like one or two spontaneous things. 
Like no one ever puts gummy worms on their list, but somehow I end up coming home with them. Well, you don't know this, but Len Penzo always puts gummy worms on his list. Don't you, Len? Absolutely. I love gummy worms. (laughs) So shop hungry. Sandy takes the lead, Len. Let's see if at the end of round one, if you can, uh, if you can be in a tie for first. Well, I'm going to go with the obvious one. And I've done this many times uh, over at my blog, doing these comparisons and these taste tests of store brands versus national brands, buying the national brand when the store brand would do. Is buying the national brand when the store brand will do on the list. Bump, bump. What? Which is absolutely, that one's pretty. What? That That is, that is number one on, that should be number one on the list. I'm shocked. It is so funny, Len, because I'm I'm gonna give you this. You gotta be kidding me. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? <laughs> they talk around this in every other way. Like every single thing that is is close to that, he hits, but he doesn't hit that one. Which is pretty amazing. Because that one seems that one seems incredibly obvious to me. Well, so now we have twenty two. That is number one on the list. That is eight, that is shopping one oh one right there. That is number one. Well, and I'll tell you this, Len. This guy's dead to me. (laughs) At the end of round one, he must be related to Sandy. (laughs) Because Sandy's in the lead. One, zero, zero. So, uh, Paula went first last time. That means that Sandy goes first in the second round. Sandy, see if you can knock another one here off the list. Coupons. Who uses coupons these days? Even the coupon apps. I'm lazy with it and I'm cheap. So So you're saying don't use coupons is a way to cost we you don't money? Use coupons. Yeah. Is don't use coupons on the list. Sandy is cleaning up, guys. I shop for groceries very often <laughs> and make all the mistakes. Uh Sandy says. Supermarket coupons frequently sponsored by manufacturers to introduce new products or stimulate sales are a great way to save money. Published in newspapers online and in flyers, they typically offer substantial discounts or two-for-one deals. One study computed markers distributed coupons for food, drink, tobacco, clothing, and household items worth $470 billion last year, but consumers redeemed only $4.6 billion worth. Wow, that's that's 100 times different. Some people don't like to use coupons because they associate them with lower socioeconomic groups. But statistics show that shoppers with a college education household incomes of 100000 and up are twice as likely to use coupons as those at lower income and education levels. Showing, Sandy, there's a lot of smart people out there coupon shopping. Mm-hmm. And now they're apps, so it's even easier. You know, you don't even need to sit there and clip coupons while you're watching trashy TV. Yeah, Len, do you guys use any coupon, coupon app? Uh, no, actually I don't. Nope. And I don't do the shopping. The honeybee does. So, but does she, do you do any coupon clipping? No, I don't know of any coupon clipping. Yes. But actually apps. I don't think she does. You want me to ask her, Hey, honeybee, do you, do you use apps? Do you use a coupon app when you shop? Oh, she does. She uses, yes, she does. She uses the Albertsons app. Well, it's funny. We, we use the Albert. I was going to say we use apps, but we don't use physical coupons because apps are so easy. Sandy, you said it earlier. Using the Albertsons app was super easy. When we were in Texarkana and had uh, Albertsons local, that was super easy to use in the target app, by the way, the cartwheel app, you just hold your phone up to the thing and put it on the barcode and it tells you if it's on sale or not. So if you're putting in the cart anyway, like I'm not going out of my way to go buy stuff that's on sale, but if I'm putting it in anyway, we've gotten great deals. Paul, I know you don't go 
coupon clipping, but do mm -hmm. you use any of these apps to maybe save as long as you're going? Uh, the Target Cartwheel one I use, and I have the Whole Foods app. I don't shop at Whole Foods very often, but I have that app on my phone because as a Prime member, if you scan the little QR code, you can get some sort of a discount. Um, drop the mic, Paula. That, drop yeah, the mic. No, the, <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> uh, beyond that, no, my, my primary grocery store is Sprouts, Sprouts Farmer's Market. And I'm sure they must have an app, but it's actually not on my phone. So Yeah, I was thinking we have a Kroger now, and I don't even know if there's a Kroger app, but that's a good opportunity. You know, the joke they some people call Whole Foods Whole Paycheck. So use the Whole exactly. Foods. Yeah. Use the Whole exactly. Foods. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I do not go there often. But every now and again, if there's one like on the way and Sprouts is 20 minutes out of the way or something, you know, I'll pop in for like one or two items. Well, and if you're using the app, maybe they should call it like two thirds paycheck instead of whole, whole paycheck. <laughs> I don't know. More like 97% of your paycheck. <laughs> Len, you can make this a close game if you nail one here. Uh, I'm gun shy now because you know what? I Now I don't know what this guy's thinking. Anymore, so, <laughs> Well, we got coupons and shopping hungry. Yeah, but definitely not buying store brands over national brands. That's not on the list. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, there's two of them here. I'm going to be kind there's one that I, I feel like I would steal it, so I'm going to pass on it. I'm going to go with this. Not paying attention to the unit costs. Mm, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Not paying. <laughs> I can only see by your face, Joe, where this is going. <laughs> Let's, Len's going to hate this guy. <laughs> Len's going to jump on social media and be all over this guy. P.S. I hate your list. Yes. Is yeah. not looking at Unicost on the list. Not a surprise. Yes, of course. It is another good one. It is. It is a good yeah, one. It's a super good one. I mean, people get that I mean, one. I, that is a, one of the trickiest ones in the world. And 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 grocery stores play these games where they'll make things. You'll think you're getting something cheaper, but if you're not looking at the unit cost, you're actually paying more. What I do like, Len, in their defense is that they make the unit cost available. Like you can see it right there. They they tell you per they unit. Do. Yes, but still people don't. It's smaller usually it is and small, it's in the yeah. corner. But yeah. and people don't pay attention to it, but it's there. It's there. You've got to pay attention to it. That is a trick. Recently, I took my niece grocery shopping with me and I was teaching her about unit cost. And we had on two occasions, the thing that was bigger that looked like we were buying in bulk, higher unit cost than buying the little yeah. individual thing. Yeah. I've noticed sometimes when making comparisons and this doesn't happen often, but occasionally the unit costs for comparable products will be the unit of measurement is different. Oh. And so you have to do a conversion. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm out then. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't convert stuff. Who's got time to go converting everything? There's an app for that too. That's Joe. right. There's got to be an app for that. <laughs> there is. Or I'm out. Uh, Paula, please make this close. By the way, I will give you a hint to help you make it close. Okay. You offhand earlier said one of the things on his list. Mm -hmm. uh, I know she it, did. That's why it, I didn't say it. <laughs> we all know what I'm about to say next. Shopping without a list. Yeah. Is shopping without a list on the list. That, by the way, is not only on the list, kids. That was the number one thing on the list. 
the grocery list, he writes, is a wonderful invention, whether it's on a scrap of paper or on your tablet or smartphone. It's a good way to stop yourself from buying food you don't need or probably won't use. As a bonus, it can also save you time because you can group food types, produce, dairy, meat, and poultry together so you don't have to wander up and down the same aisles again and again. Nice job. So at the end, oh, wait a minute. We can't do this without the theme music, Sandy. If you know anything about the game, you know you got to have the theme music. Of course. The score at the end of the scintillating two rounds. Sandy has three. Paula has two. And Len has had two phenomenal ones that didn't make the cut. Yeah. But he was in shop, so, right. you know, in his defense. That's true. Sandy has three, Paula has two, and Len's already filed a grievance. But, That's but, what's hold going on. Hold on here, Sandy. There, you don't need to defend me. I gave two excellent answers. No, they were great yeah. answers. They were. That USA Today guy, I'm, I, I swear to God, I'm going to write USA Today. The good thing is, though, Len, at the end of this, you'll still get your participation medal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Len, you are first here in the last round. If you get this correct and Sandy misses, we could still have a tie because this is the big three point answer. Ooh, that, now, they, now you've really put the pressure on me. Okay. What do people do to waste money at the grocery store? This is kind of out there. This is kind of an obtuse one, but I'm going to say it because I noticed a lot of people doing it. They stop at the freaking well, not all stores. This is what I was going to say. This isn't my answer. I'm changing my mind. But they have – like our store has a Starbucks right in it, and people will stop at the Starbucks right there, and they'll they'll order their coffee or whatever, $5 or $7 coffee, and then they'll do their shopping. And to me, they've just added $7 to their grocery. That's not what I'm going to say. Here's that's what I'm the say. only reason why I shop at Target. <laughs> I can go to Starbucks <laughs> and Target. It's, it's, it's okay, what – I'm going to go with this. It's, this it's is what I'm going to go with. It's a yes, thing. Ahead, it's a thing. Sandy calls a twofer. Sorry, <laughs> it was bad. I shouldn't have kept interrupting you for that horrible joke. But uh, okay, I'm just going to say not buying in bulk, like the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I've got some for sale. Like that stockpile of face masks. <laughs> <laughs> that is so horrible, isn't it? That is just disgusting. <laughs> uh, is not buying in bulk. <laughs> Oh, You're shit. a bad game show host. <laughs> On the list. <laughs> I'm try I'm trying I should turn off my video so you guys can't see me on the shortwave here as I'm looking excruciating as Len does another good one. And by the way, Len, you're gonna hate half of the ones on this list. <laughs> the longer we go, the more I think he's gonna it's gonna be horrible. I really should have just said something arcane like not taking a, a- a helium balloon into the store, something stupid, you know, that, that that's probably on the list, isn't it? Uh, it is. It's number four <laughs> on the list. In fact, uh, Paula, if you get this right, you'll put a bunch of pressure on Sandy because you will take the lead. Ooh, oh, man. So there are two ideas that I am battling between. Okay. God, which one do I choose? Whichever one I choose, it's going to be the wrong one. So I'm just going to say wandering up and down the aisles rather than sticking to the perimeter of the store. Paul, if that is on the list, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stab myself. <laughs> Cause the perimeter of the store is where like the fruits, vegetables, meats, fish, dairy, all of that is on the perimeter of the store. 
Whereas all of that in stuff the aisles, that we should buy right now in New York while we're stockpiling. <laughs> in the aisles, you have typically processed foods like jarred, canned, <laughs> things in bags and boxes. So those things tend to be higher priced and also not as good for you. To take the lead <gasps> is walking up and down the aisles versus sticking with the perimeter on the list. Oh, that was some Phew. false hope you created there. I had to, after Sandy was smack talking me earlier about having to keep my face straight. <laughs> I had to, I had to do a better job at least once. After Sandy answers, can I throw out the other idea that I was considering? Yes. Well, that's there. Well, Sandy already has the win, but we should let her take a victory lap. Sandy, to get three for three on this list that you probably pulled up while we were, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy's been <laughs> casually cheating the whole time because there's such a big prize at the end. Right. <laughs> there's uh, Sandy, what else is on the list? I'm going to guess it's stuff that we're having to do right now in New York, which is um, getting our groceries delivered <laughs> to us while we're supposed to be bunkering down. I don't know if everybody's grocery store delivers, but that's what uh, that's what shipped is for and all that other stuff. The grocery delivery stuff is using delivery service on the list. She got three <laughs> for three. <laughs> I am a mom. I grocery shop like two, three times a week. <laughs> Led had, had great ones, though. Had fantastic yeah, ones. And those on the, what was your other one going to be, Paula? Uh, it was going to be buying everything organic rather than conventional. On the list. Oh, huh? see, I knew whichever one I chose, it would be the other one. Yeah, my other was, um, I don't know if your grocery stores have to do this, but now they've got like all this amazing food that they've like in the hot bars and stuff. Do you guys ever buy that? Am I the only oh, one that's lazy yeah. enough no, to buy that those. stuff? Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes I don't want to make dinner, which is why I end up in the grocery store two or three times a week. And I get the hot bar stuff. But it's so expensive, but it's so convenient. Also on the list. Okay, I got one. Is this on the list? Hold, is this hold. buying stuff at the buying stuff at the checkout stand? Oh. Uh yes. Buying right. stuff, they say at the at the aisle end caps, they call it. Yes. And and uh, well. also Sandy buying ready made meals. Yeah. Also, which I call Those the hot convenient. bar ready-made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's, here's the other one. So shopping without a list, not meal planning, not meal planning before mm -hmm. you go. That takes a lot of time, man. Yeah. But I find yes. when I meal plan, I mean, my refrigerator stays lean and mean. It is. But perfect. then you get the meal delivery service. <laughs> I'm so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you order your fresh direct or whatever. It's like perfect. I'm all about those. Uh, uh, shopping hungry, buying auto, uh, items in the end caps, buying only organic, buying out of season produce. He has. I don't know why you wouldn't compare Unicost Lamb, but buying out of season produce makes the list. Uh, buying pre-cut produce. Len has had a rant on this show about buying pre-cut produce before. Yes. Yes. And the same goes for cheese. It's like pre, you know, yeah. you get buy bulk cheese instead of pre-sliced cheese. Buying pricey ingredients you're only going to use once. Uh yes. bu buying your staples at a specialty store. So going to the specialty store and buying your staples. Do those things even exist anymore? Specialty stores? Like is there a I mean, you might have a butcher or something, but 
Who's really shopping at specialty stores that often? This is funny. I don't belong to our local Costco, but a friend of mine that I just saw last week was or is a member. And I went with him to pick up some things and he will go to Costco to get most everything. Then he'll stop at Kroger to get everything that he can't get in bulk. And he said Mm. he will see the same people from Costco at Kroger, like on the way home, people stop at one and stop at the other. So, I mean, maybe I don't think a Kroger is a specialty store, but they, they get it. Cheap. I know people that do that with Aldi, right? Mm-hmm. Or Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. So uh, buying groceries, this one's going to really watch Len come out of his chair at this one. <laughs> buying groceries without a credit card is on the list. Without a credit card? Without a credit card. Is on like as in cash because you don't save the two percent because you don't you save the two percent you don't get the points you don't oh. get the grocery points yeah that's on the list <laughs> wow <laughs> buying ready-made meals at the market don't use coupons don't belong to the loyalty program which we actually actually talked about with the with the cartwheel app and the and the albertson's app don't coordinate food shopping with your housemates you let food spoil and you have to throw it out Guilty. Never get around to eating leftovers, which isn't that the same thing? Mm -hmm. Using grocery delivery service. Then this one, why this one's on the list. This one, you'll love this one, Len. Never take food home from restaurants. Never. I don't know those people. You spend more at a grocery store because you don't take food home when you go to the restaurant. So you end up making up for food that you could have had by taking extra food. Wow. Wow. But not the store brand over the uh, national brand. Or the unit price. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got a beef. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got a, a legitimate beef. one. Absolutely. Uh, let's do this and then we'll close this out. The biggest thing you think about, Paul, every time you go to the to the grocery store? Biggest thing is make sure that you've got a list and, and you know exactly what you're going to get. And particularly the items that will spoil, like meat and fish are the most expensive items that are imminently going to spoil. Make sure that you can realistically finish it before it does, because you just don't want to throw that out for a variety of reasons, not just cost, but also health, environment, et cetera. Yeah. Len? There's lots of ways to save money at a grocery store. There's lots of ways to overspend. So the guy at USA Today apparently buys national brand stuff all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And our champion, Sandy Smith from Yes, I Am Cheap and Elevate Conferences. What's the big tip? What's your big thought at the grocery store? You know what? It's such a crazy time right now. <laughs> I don't know that I have a tip for the grocery store, except don't kill anybody trying to get toilet paper. <laughs> Still against the law. If you're new to the show, you may not know that at this point, we usually have FinTech Friday. That's where we go over some of the cool stuff that you can put on your phone or things on your computer from some companies and some innovators who are pushing the buttons of banks and insurance companies to move uh, finance forward. And man, have we talked to some really cool innovators on this segment. However, Today, we were going to talk to George Kurtica from Joust about how Joust works, helping small businesses. Of course, you may know that small businesses aren't really running right now, which is why instead we're going to talk to George about a program that the SBA has right now, a couple programs that they have to help small business owners. And I have to ask you if you're somebody who either knows somebody who runs a business 
or you yourself run a business, apply for this. Apply for what we're about to talk about because a lot of people out there think this is going to be another underfunded program. In fact, this is so important, we're going to talk about it next week. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about these $1,200 stimulus checks. Nothing compares to businesses being able to keep people employed, and that is specifically what we're going to talk about today on the Friday FinTech segment. So I'm super happy to talk to George Kurtica. By the way, if you hang out past the credits on today's show, we're going to talk to George about how Joust actually works. They're an institution that we use for our banking and uh, their pay armor. If you're somebody who is a small business like we are, is just invaluable fintech help. But for now, we're going to talk about the new SBA programs that have just been rolled out with the CARE Act. Let's say hello to George Kurtica from Joust. And joining us, normally we'd have him coming down the stairs to the basement, but today we're social distancing, so we're keeping him way far away. <laughs> George Kurtica from Joust. How are you, man? Doing well, considering the circumstances. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm healthy. You know, that's the, that's the good thing. But a lot of small businesses, as you know, aren't healthy as a guy sitting right on top of that uh, market. If I'm somebody that has either a, I'm a solopreneur, George, or I'm a small business owner, what should I be thinking about right now financially? What should I be focused on? You know, we've had lots of discussions with our partner banks this week and speaking with the CEO of a major Midwest bank who's basically told me he's pivoted into his entire company. They've shut down their branches and all they're going to be working on is SBA loans. And so that's encouraging, right? I've talked to two or three other folks, SBA lenders that said this is what they're going to do. Uh, so, you know, you're a small business. And, and, and again, you're a small business, you're a solopreneur, you're an entrepreneur. This is the first time that you've really been able to apply for an SBA loan. I mean, I, I heard from someone and, and I can't validate this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. But at Silicon Valley Bank, who's a bank to a lot of startups, they've, uh, they haven't given an SBA loan out in 30 years. Oh, my so goodness. To, yeah. So they're trying to relearn all of this. Like, what do we do? How do we do this? Because SBA lending has been very, very challenging. And what they're trying to do is get as much money out to these folks as possible, the banks are. And then the banks will go and take that form that you fill out back to the SBA and get reimbursed. So they're trying to relax the requirements. So there's going to be probably some sort of form of attestation. There, if you go to the SBA website, you can get the small business application form. And you find an SBA lender and you get that application into them ASAP today, tomorrow, because of the PPP program, this program that's going to be able to cover the small businesses, freelancers, micro businesses starts Friday. And I assume that the floodgates are going to be open, right, for that. But this should be a very quick application. You're going to certify that the documents are true and you're going to get two and a half months of payroll of funds that should cover things like payroll. As long as you say that you're keeping employees, mortgage interest, things like rent, utility payments, all that stuff is going to be available to you and then forgivable, right? And I think that's the thing. This is the free money part. Yeah. Is, uh, this is the forgivable portion. So that's what they're trying to do. If you're a small business, micro business entrepreneurs is to get going on this PPP loan, get the forms downloaded and start filling it out. SBA has a page up on their website. Treasury's got a page up that helps you as well. And so that loan is ready to go right now. And lenders are, are ready to start taking those. Clearly, this is, I mean, this is great because I can keep people employed 
which is why as long as you spend that money specifically on payroll and keep people employed, you're in business there. And that's, that is going to be forget. How do they make sure that's forgiven? Do you submit stuff to your bank that says that it's forgiven? Do you know how that process is going to work? Yeah. So from what I can tell, there's going to be a forgivable portion, right? Which is that two and a half months. So the way at least our banker told us is, you know, there's going to be obviously some personal information that you have to give, some information about your business, and then some sort of evidence of your payroll. You could apply for a larger loan, but at the end of the day, the, the forgivable portion will be that two and a half months of coverage of your basically now, right? And again, it's going to be based on number of staff. If you reduce your headcount, you, you actually, your loan forgiveness will be reduced, right? Mm -hmm. If you decrease salaries, uh, more than 25% for any employee that made less than $100,000. So it's all employees less than 100000 Your loan forgiveness will also be reduced. And then you have until June 30th, 2020 to restore your full-time employment and salary levels for any changes made between February 15th and April 26th. So that's the other thing is, you know, you have to have been a business or in business from February 15th. Now, one thing there is you could probably say, hey, listen, maybe I incorporated on February 16th, but before that, I was a solopreneur. Yeah. Uh, so there'll, there'll be some sort of self-attestation, evidence of payroll. I'm not sure if you could give, probably I would assume an income tax statement so you could at least prove your income. So then they could say, here, here's two and a half months. We'll get, get you that money up front. That's what I was going to ask about was for solopreneurs, because a lot of solopreneurs just pay themselves out money from the business, right? That's and right. withhold taxes. So they don't have a payroll service. So that's how you think they may be able to certify that this is what my income was over the last 12 months to come up with that two and a half month number? Yeah. And that's it. It's sort of an average over the 12 months of your income. Yeah. I want to switch because I know that there's also another program available, maybe not so sexy, George, but is the other program something that people should think about or no? Yeah, this is the DLA or Disaster Loan Assistance Program. And this is for businesses, uh, nonprofits, homeowners, renters. This process is, the site is up. It's covid19relief.sba.gov. If you read the application, it says it should take about two hours and 10 minutes to complete. So um, maybe you could uh, charge your hourly rate by filling this out. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you have to attest that you're a business with not more than 500 employees, that you're, or you're a sole proprietor or your co-op. You know, you have a stock ownership plan with not more than 500 employees. You could be a tribal business. But the big thing here is, oh, and, and then there's going to be a whole self-attestation on like you're not in gambling or you're basically not a venture-backed business with 50% ownership. Also, you can't have uh, more than be 60 days de delinquent on child support. There's all these things, you know, you can't be a lobbyist. But once you start going through the process, the thing here is it's tied to you. So you actually have to prove that you have some collateral or some skin in the game on this. So yes, you can apply, but I would say, you know, be careful because it's a personal, it requires a personal guarantee, your house, you know, if you own your property where your business is, your business collateral. So it's probably not for everybody, but I would say that if it sounds like something you might be interested in, you probably have a financial planner or an accountant. You may want to talk to them because it is a little bit more, um, uh, there's a little bit more hoops to jump through in order to get this loan. The part that I don't know that much about it, but the part that I do know about this loan, well, and about the PPP, frankly, is that the terms aren't egregious, George. If you get it, the terms are fairly long-term repayment and at a very low mm -hmm. interest rate. Yeah, it's a two-year loan. 
and there's no repayment penalties for paying early, no collateral on the PPP, no personal guarantee. So it's interesting because you're talking about what is almost free money. And, you know, listen, if you think about what the Fed has done in terms of lowering interest rates, it's about getting money into the system. So for all intents and purposes, this is nearly a free money type of opportunity on the PPP side where you've got a very low interest rate and they want to get money into the economy to keep these small businesses going. So a colleague of mine was telling me that, uh, you know, she had pizza delivered last night. The pizza guy was very upset and he didn't know what was going to happen. And she said, hey, you know, you should tell your boss to go apply for this PPP loan. And he didn't know about it. And, I know. And that's the thing. It's like awareness, awareness, awareness. Like this is hopefully what we're trying to get across is this money is there for this purpose. So hopefully it could all be dispersed in time to keep these businesses going. You know, I've seen businesses here in Portland where the food carts here in Portland are very popular. They've switched to an almost like we're going to make the food and deliver it to you. Yeah. And every person I talk to, I'm trying to tell them like, I know you're all setting up GoFundMe pages for your staff. That's great. We'll do what we can. But this is free government money, I know. you know, or very, very low money. So you have to get into this, you know. It, it, it's it's like a government sponsored GoFundMe. It is like a government sponsored <laughs> right, GoFundMe. Right, Indeed. Right. Uh, I don't know if we'll make that the banner, or the headline of this episode, but that might be a takeaway. Let's talk about emergency reserve for businesses during a uh, uh, not a weird time like this, George, because we're seeing so many businesses get caught unaware, right? Get caught in a difficult spot. I've had friends that have told me that, hey, we're we're running on fumes here. How much of a reserve should a business owner plan to keep? Is it like a person where it's three to six months in reserve just in case? What, what is there a guideline for business owners? That's another interesting discussion I was having with our director of finance and a couple of people on the team. You know, there's actually no incentive to save in this country on the business side because it almost seems like you'll always get bailed out. And it almost seems fiscally irresponsible to put money aside because it's not working for you in a, in a savings account. And then there are all these programs out there that will help small businesses. You know, that's one way to look at it, right? Like, hey, don't worry. You know, there will be programs to, to, to help bail you out. But at the end of the day, you can't really rely on that. What if you were already running on fumes and this comes along, you know, something like a pandemic and it takes a month or two for the government to act. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a second. Now I have to lay off, furlough, do whatever I need to do before I even get some money in the door. So, yeah, I mean, listen, ideally you're not running month to month on your payroll and costs and expenses. Uh, if you run a small business, it'd be nice to have a couple of months uh, in the bank. You know, there's really not a lot of guidance. Sure, you could say two, three months, but it, it really just takes time. Like, make sure that if you're running a small business, set some money aside as much as you can in case there's a one to two month issue that comes up in the future before you might have to bridge to get some sort of government assistance program. But yeah, really not a lot of guidance. I think, you know, you could take the personal guidance into heart here, but it's really about what you can tolerate as a business. I've got two more questions. Uh, part of uh, the banking platform that you guys have at Joust includes invoicing people. Are you seeing that slow down where people are like, I I had a contract for me personally, just to tell you where this question's coming from. And I even told the person, I'm like, hey, if this is a bad time for you, I can invoice you in a month because I'm going to be okay. And I don't run unless the people around me run, right? Uh, are you seeing yep. invoices slow down and people kind of... Uh, giving people more uh, leeway <laughs> on billing right now? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not seeing invoices slow down so much on our platform. What we're seeing is invoices going out 
but like basically people trying to hurry up and get some of their work done because they feel a slowdown. I think there's a, um, a lagging indicator, right? Oh, like yeah, the yeah. Work done up until now. I think we'll see maybe the next 30 days, a little bit of a, of a decrease just because of the fact that people who are independent contractors who are using invoicing may be flipping over to we're going to work for Instacart or you know, going to Amazon or going, you know, doing some delivery. But at the end of the day, what we'll see is if I could look at my crystal ball, we'll probably see a decline in invoices and an increase in sort of direct payouts from these freelance platforms, right? Oh, yeah, you know, right. Um, that you can push funds to your Joust card using your Visa Direct, you know, so Instacart driver does his work and pushes the funds and then that person takes their Joust card and goes to buy groceries. So that's what we're starting to see ramp up now. Boom, gone. And then the, the last question, of course, is around a very popular part of what you guys do, your pay armor. It's something people don't want to use, but are you seeing an uptick in people not paying? And for people that don't know, at the end of today's episode, by the way, uh, George and I are going to talk about our usual Friday FinTech stuff, and he's going to walk us through all of how Joust works and what you do. But Pay Armor, just to cut to what it, how it works, this is a program where uh, for over 70% of solopreneurs and small businesses experience non-payment. For those people, it's a way to kind of have insurance against that. Speak to how that's been lately, because I would imagine there's been an uptick there of people not being able to pay. Yeah, certainly has been. We've had a massive outreach campaign based on cancellation of, of, of many events where we've reached out to contractors saying, listen, hey, if you send the invoice using Joust, we'll uh, guarantee your payment. We can give you those funds up front. So it's factoring. It feels like insurance. It's you know, factoring under the hood, we're essentially purchasing that invoice from you and collecting on your behalf. So trying to give you the liquidity you need where we take that work that you've done, aka an asset, and then we go and collect on it for a fee that's based on, you know, the risk that we identify. So yeah, good news is seeing a massive uptick. We've even done our best to try and get people in re relaxing some of our requirements, taking on a little bit more risk to help people out. And then later, this week, we've got something that we're working on with a few uh, other fintech folks where we're going to see if we could offer additional lending products or help with a little bit of guidance on the SBA lending stuff. So yeah, we're scrambling. We're, we've never been busier, both on the pay armor and product side, and then looking to get some new stuff out the door to help with these uh, SBA loans. And as I mentioned earlier, you can find George at joust.com. If you just go to joust.com, you'll find him there. And then later on in today's show, right after the credits, we're going to have what George and I originally intended to do before this all got crazy on us. Uh, we'll talk about Joust and how it works. So if you've got a business, hang on through the credits. George, thanks in this crazy time for uh, giving us a little bit of a uh, little bit of light in the fog here. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate coming on, Joe, and, and being able to uh, speak to you and, and the audience. I hope everyone's staying safe, positive, and healthy. Hiya, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And before we get to trivia, I know since it's probably the only place you've been lately, we've all learned some interesting ways people overspend at the grocery store. But what's the number one place people overspend? Well, if you're like the host of this podcast, it's Disney. Who didn't know that? If you want Joe to do anything, just wave a Mickey Mouse doll or Imagineering book in his face. So my question to you is this. Just how many employees did business behemoth Disney employ in 2019? 
I'll give you this hint. Running that company takes more than four, but less than a million people to both put on those fantastic shows and fluff Joe's pillow at the hotel every morning. I know, big clue. I'm a giver. He is a giver. Great guy with that clue. I'm sure that was incredibly helpful. For those of you uh, that are new to the show, we normally don't have a game and then another game and then another game. However, <laughs> we, we do have this game's been going on since the beginning of the year, and it is our three regular contributors, Paula, Len, and OG. Sandy, you're playing on behalf of OG, and the good news there is that you are in second place with four right now. Len is winning, and Paula started making her move last week because she has yeah. two which also means, Paula, you get to decide, do you want to guess how many employees Disney had in 2019, first, in the middle, or last? I will guess last. That is weird. Sandy, mm-hmm. would you like to guess first or in the middle? The middle worked out for me last time. I'll do the middle. Ideal. <laughs> so, Len, you are up to bat, my friend. How many employees did Disney have in 2019? Well, that's a good question. I'm sure it's a big company. And um, before I get give my answer, I want to just offer to Sandy, I'll offer you five rolls of toilet paper from my bunker <laughs> if you throw this. Deal. <laughs> okay. Sandy's uh, that, like, you know what? I am I am going to say this is Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Is this include all worldwide as well? All the Disneylands the, everywhere? The movie division, the oh. ESPN, the theme parks. Marvel. Oh my gosh. Star Wars. Lucas Arts. Holy smokes. Uh, That's, I have no Who else? No Uh, idea. What else they own? Pixar, right? I don't know. I I really don't. And I don't even know how to begin to guess. I'm going to say 75,000. 75,000 people. Sandy, what are you thinking? I I have no clue. Wait, we said worldwide, right? Worldwide. But I do think that Tokyo Disney, those two parks are owned by a different group, actually, and Disney Co. So I don't know if those would count as Disney employees or not, but I don't know that that's going to matter as we're throwing our dart here. <laughs> I feel like 75,000 is a lot of people. Um, that's probably bigger than Texarkana. Um, <laughs> that is uh, 6,000 people bigger than Texarkana. But Disney is huge. Um, I'm going to go with 200,000 seems like a humongous amount of people. Um, but you said between four and four million, right? Between four and four million <laughs> four and was, one what, million. was what he four said. And four and one million. Uh, yeah, yes. Let's go with a quarter of a million. Let's go 250. 250,000 people. Well, Paula. Wow. That's quite a spread. Len, I'm sorry to do this. <laughs> Hey, I get everything below. We're not doing prices right. <laughs> 75,000 and one. <laughs> Paula's going for the middle. What, you think it's in the 100, 150 range, somewhere in there, Paula? Yeah, I think I think it's closer to 75 than it is to 250. Well, we are about to find out, but of course we can't tell you right now. We'll tell you in just a second. Bonjour. Welcome to French Made Easy with me, your host, Mathilde. Today, I'm joined by certified financial planner Devin Carroll, and together we will share a popular and simple French phrase so you too can use it in your own life. Sound easy? Sure. Today's phrase is valuable when you see a woman named Sally. Say this Sally, 
Can I store my gold in your doomsday bunker? In French, you would say this popular phrase just like this. Sally, est-ce que je peux ranger mon or dans ton bunker anti-fin du monde? Once again, Sally, est-ce que je peux ranger mon or dans ton bunker anti-fin du monde? Now, let's hear Certified Financial Planner Devin Carroll try it. Ready, Devin? Okay, yes. Sally, est-ce que de ranger monodons ton bunker anti-fin du monde? Oh yeah, I know that for sure. Perfect! See how we sound almost exactly alike? You two can speak French easily and comfortably listening to Stacking Benjamins. See you next time! Au revoir! Len, you kicked it off with 75,000. Paula, Chelsea, Brennan, you. So uh, <laughs> you have everything south of 75,000. That's still a lot of people. It is. I, I wish. I, I think Paula's done it again. I, I, I wish she would have went seventy four thousand nine ninety nine. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I think she's got it. She's. I think she's in that in that happy zone. Sandy, that two hundred fifty thousand. You thinking you're over based on Paula's answer? Um, it's a lot. I. You know what I'm referencing? I'm thinking of how many people when I worked for Toyota, how many people worked in Toyota North America, and then how many people worked for Toyota worldwide. I kind of did that and then I kind of like padded it with more people. Well, that's I figured I, Disney's got to be at least that big, if not bigger. Well, that's what I was thinking with your unique work experience. You'd be able to, of, of the four of us, do the math, some math a little bit at least. Paula, you've got 75,000 up to what's the middle point between 75,000 and 250? Uh, yeah, well, um, one, let's see. One so seven, one, added one, together, that's 250,000 plus 75,000. So that's 325,000. Divided by two is 150 <laughs> plus 12, which is 162. So 325,000 divided by two equals 162,000, which means wouldn't that be the midpoint then? Or am I doing that wrong? It'd be 250,000 minus 75,001, which the difference between those is 175,000, right? Is one, so B, you get halfway to 175. So, uh, it's 250 minus 75,000 divided by two. That's your answer. Yeah. So it's 87. Mm. Uh, Got it. I added and then divided by yes, two. That was my mistake. We add 87.5. So it is uh, five. Uh, I, I love. Do I have to break out the calculator? It's 160. No, no, no. I, I can do this. It's 100. So subtract and divide Paul, by two. Paul, I think right? you had it. I think you had it. Did you really? say 162.5? I said what I said 162,000. Yeah, 1625. Yeah. Hey, I did it in my head. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> nice job. All right. So I have no idea. So the I answer was... is 3,240. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doug, tell us if any of that was relevant. <laughs> Please. Welcome back, my wonderful trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and let's recap today's mouse-themed question, shall we? The question was this, how many people did Disney employ in 2019? Well, if you said five, um, no. Even this podcast employs more people than that, and, and how, we still don't know. I mean, we all work for free, but still. If you said 223,000 unique individuals, you'd be spot on. Well, now I'm going to point with two fingers to show you the exit to this very podcast. See ya. Man. Whoa. Wait, wait, how much was it? <laughs> 223,000 people. 
That's a lot of people. You won. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no toilet paper for you, girl. <laughs> lead, lead is like. I thought I threw it by by patting a little bit more onto, you know, what I thought, what I knew Toyota employees. Dang. Disney. This is getting embarrassing. Sandy's running away with this today. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to crunch the stats for Toyota for North America to find out how many people they employed. So, you know, I used to, yeah, I got a little bit of it in there and I just figured. Disney, Toyota, they're, they're one of these similar size companies. Right? I just I, I just got this text from Len, something about Sandy can't come back. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I wasn't supposed to share that, Len. I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks a lot. I didn't didn't realize that. Wait, wait. Do they break down where they work? Like, uh, is it a theme park that employs 50 million people? This is, hey, Sandy, why don't you the movies? <laughs> This is this is Doug's trivia. Do you think I have details? I've got all the answers today. Sorry. <laughs> hey, let's let's change the subject and take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call is going to come to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. Sandy, you know what happens when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money? No, but tell me. You will find that those financial products that your brick and mortar bank use every day, you'll find that they're nowhere near the best in class. Over 92% of the products available online, like savings accounts, checking accounts, CDs, consolidation loans, student loan refinancing, and credit cards, all ranked at Magnify Money. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money for more. And today, we're going to help Erica magnify her money. Say hi, Erica. I have a question. I have four parents and parents-in-law who early retired, and they've been finding new and interesting ways to spend their money in retirement. They've been selling stocks from their 401k that are losers. Uh, they traded in the equity from their new car to buy a newer car, cash out refinancing their houses, buying more weeks at the timeshare, and uh, building giant garages for their pontoon boats. I'm not one to judge much, but I know what everyone made. And I'm kind of thinking that there's not going to be a lot of money left over for long-term care insurance. So I'm just wondering if there's such a thing as boomer insurance for us irresponsible millennials so we can take care of our parents and pull the risk. Um, so yeah, I'm a size small and I'm going to be eating a package of Oreos a day until you solve my problems. So um, you can calculate my size from there. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. So she is a small when she asked the question. She's eating a pack of Oreos a day for three weeks. Paula, what size is she now? Well, is it a snack pack, like a four pack, or is it an entire well, store it, pack? It's a, it's a, Len, if it were me, it would be double stuffs. Like it'd be a pack of now, double stuff. That's stuffs. interesting because I don't like double stuffs. I oh. like the regular Oreos. Too oh. much. There's too much cream oh. for me in the in the double stuffs. Oh. But that's just. Yeah, I say double stuff has not enough cream. They they go one step up and have mega stuff. <laughs> oh, no. Mega stuff is the way to go. So I, I I eat the mega stuff and then I pull one of the cookie layers off of it and make so it like a double mega, mega stuff. like a double mega stuff. That's a little much even for me, unless you have an intermediary layer of like some peanut butter, some bacon, maybe like a slice of strawberry. Then you can do double mega stuff, Dunkin' Milk. Amazing. Sandy, could you imagine like you're hanging out on Fremont Street and <laughs> here comes Paula Pant running on this big old sugar high down the street past you because <laughs> she's so hopped up on mega stuffs? 
whenever we move Bingcon to Vegas, I'm sure it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, was that Paula? She's all hopped up on sugar and Oreos. <laughs> Erica's got a great question. Sandy, you know, that while there might be no such thing as insurance, um, what do you do when you've got parents that, you know, are clearly overspending and you might have to help them out later? It's so funny because I did meet a company that kind of acts like this and it's insurance that pays out if they reach a certain age and live, (laughs) you know, there's insurance that, you know, the most insurance pays out when they die. And it was a new concept that I thought was great because I expect to take care of my parents when they get older. So I'm definitely signing them up for this new insurance thing. But it's tough. It's a tough conversation to have for everybody. I think I was talking to Athena Lent recently and she said, you don't, these days we're going to inherit people. You know, we inherit our parents. So, you know, you got to plan for all of them. And sometimes... At some point, you may just have to snatch the reins of their money if they let you. That's what I ended up doing with my mother-in-law. Len, what do you think? Do you have an intervention? Yeah, I would go in if, well, the tricky part is you don't really know what they have, do you? I mean, did she say she knows exactly, you know, how much they had to begin with? If you don't know what they have, I mean, it's kind of hard to to say anything. But I would kind of make clear, this is what I would do, is, hey, I'm not bailing you out. Mom and dad, I love you to death, but it's hard enough for me to save for my retirement, and I can't cover you when there's a problem if you run out of money down the road. So be prudent with your spending. I guess that's what I would have to say. Of course, there's always ways out, right? If they own a house and they get desperate, and this is things you would only do in desperation, but get a reverse mortgage, for example. That would buy buy them some time. They're not going to live like kings. Obviously, but it's a, a way to, to continue surviving uh, when you get to your old age. And if you're lucky enough to have owned, own your home, uh, you get that reverse mortgage and couple that with Social Security and you can get by. So and, it's not like, yeah. you know, yeah, and, it's and, total disaster. Yeah. And by the way, just a few things to clarify, because, Len, I really like where you're going. And this is where we get into some pretty careful financial planning. The first thing is remember that your home is one of the things that uh, equity in your home when you go to qualify for Medicaid does not, my understanding is, does not count against you. If we've got lawyers out there that want to help this discussion, but does not count against you. So taking money out of your house to then have a Medicaid eligible facility then take is probably not a phenomenal strategy. And I'm not saying that we should take assistance that isn't ours. I want to be clear here, but if if those are the rules, I want to play by the rules. And reverse mortgages, I also like, but there's a lot of bad actors, as you know, Len, out there in the reverse mortgage yep. industry. So you really yep. got to be careful in reverse mortgage land because people don't understand the fees in a reverse mortgage. It, it looks like a shell game. You know, from the outside looking, it looks a lot like a shell game. It can be a great strategy. And unfortunately, I've had to use it for family members as well. It can be really, really helpful. But I like the tough love aspect of that too, Len. But that's hard, you know, to tell your elders, yeah. I'm not bailing you out. Well, especially, like I said, if you don't know how much they have and you say that and they, and they have the money, I mean, then you look like an idiot, right? You, you look <laughs> stupid. So you you better know that they're running down on their, their money before you jump in there. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's always free to say, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm barely drop hints though that, Hey, I've got my retirement boy. I'm really struggling. You know, you just drop those hints. Maybe they can read between the lines that way. And Sandy, people might've heard me typing, but when you were talking about the longevity annuity, people living for a long, long time and not having money, I was furiously looking up the guy's name because we just had him on the show on our fintech segment, Blair Baldwin from Age Up. You're talking about Age yes, Up. Age Up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really cool stuff where yeah. if people live a long time, it's an annuity that helps you, you know, if you live this long, long, long time, which can be scary for a lot of families. Oh, yeah, because, you know, money runs out before the grandma and grandpa. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> then you've got to take care of, you know, a set of parents and maybe your kids and yourself at the same time. So actually, very specifically to Erica's question, that's probably the answer that she's looking for is something like an like an age up. But no, I know, Paula, you've got to have thoughts on this. Well, I don't know about any particular companies or services, but my general thought would be that this merits not just one, but multiple tough conversations where you you sit down with them and you you math out like, hey this is what stuff can cost. This is why I'm worried. Like, let's, let's write it down on paper. Let's put it in numbers. Let me document and show you exactly what some of your costs in the future might be and why that concerns me so much. And then I would also cut off credit cards or any new debt and just work with them on staying in a budget, basically, you know, doing the parenting. Yeah. Those are such difficult conversations to have. Paul, I've, I've, I've met your parents. They seem like mm-hmm. lovely people. I, I couldn't imagine having that conversation with your dad. He and I have been having a different conversation lately where, in which I am the parent. And I'm like, listen, you are grounded. You are not to leave the house for any reason whatsoever. You are 79 years old. Do not leave the house. You're grounded. Do I make myself clear? Well, that's a great so discussion having, to have. Yeah, we've been having that every day, literally every single day. A great way to talk to elders, by the way, Erica, we had a guest on, and I'll also link to this. I'll link to our discussion with Blair Baldwin from Age Up, and I'll also link to our discussion with this woman. She's a friend of, I believe, everybody who's here. Uh, Cameron Huddleston wrote a fantastic book called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, and it's a way to talk to your parents and how not to talk to your parents. And also, by the way, if you have siblings, how to involve your siblings in those discussions so that your siblings don't think that you're the world's biggest jerk for talking to mom and dad without including them. So it's a great resource. Um, And we spoke with her uh, over the summer last year. Thanks for the question, Erica. And uh, Gertrude will be sending you the code for the shirt. And you can decide the size then yourself. We won't do the math on how many or what pack Oreos you had uh, for the for the size shirt. That's going to do it for today. Oh, did I say where people can leave a leave a leave a message? Uh, StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail if you'd like to leave a message for us. All right. That's going to do it for today. We're going to give our guest of honor the last word here. So, Mr. Penzo, what's happening at LenPenzo.com? Oh, I, I don't know. There's uh, <laughs> I, I, I really don't. <laughs> I don't know what I have coming up. You got to reti- you got to retire so you can get on top of this thing, man. Yes, I know. Well, actually, that's been pushed back a few months. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're now back to uh, around July time. Frame, oh, but, uh, I thought I thought with but, gold through the roof, you were out of there that day. Well, 
No, it's it's not uh, it's not like I'm a hundred percent into that kind of stuff. You know, I've got lots of things that are suffering, like everybody else. So, you know, and that makes and that one of the worst times to retire is actually right when markets are doing this kind of sure. bad things here. So yes. uh, we'll, yeah. we're just we'll push it back a few months here and we'll reassess. So, uh, anyways, stop on by Limpenzo and uh, and uh, there's always something going on. Paula, do we have to do you and OG and I do a uh, over under pool on the day that Len actually retires? Like like we we <laughs> we, we put like yeah we totally could we put ten bucks in we don't tell Len what month it's going to be we put ten mm. bucks in each and the winner gets all of it. I'm done. We, uh, I'm in. We should I'm totally in. do that. I'm I'm in cool. too. That'll be fun. Uh, Paula, what's coming up at Afford Anything? Uh, on Afford Anything on the Afford Anything podcast, we are covering uh, everything that's happening in the world. Right now, we're talking about the bear market, the stock market collapse, the fact that we are almost almost certainly heading into a recession. We're going to talk about how to be more productive if you work from home, how to protect yourself in the event of a job loss, um, how to support neighbors and friends who are in a harder financial situation than you are. We're going to talk about all of that, like how to navigate these turbulent times at the Afford Anything podcast. Is the stock market down? Today <laughs> or gosh, I'll give you that idea. Sandy bought that. Sandy, you've known me how long? Come on, I, I, I fell for it. <laughs> right you know, there. I was on such a good run with the game. I know that to be like one thing, right? You, Sandy, you have had a lot of good appearances on the show, but I have to say, this one, you ran the damn table. I, I shop. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's my thing, I guess. I food shop, I should say, yes. not anything else. I was going to say. Otherwise, I lose my street cred. That's a, yes, yes, I am cheap. What's happening at Yes, I Am Cheap? Well, the site's been completely redesigned and overhauled. So no more picture of Sandy on that website. And it's easier to find things, especially now that, as we all believe, we're heading into a recession. And my site was created as a response to the recession and my own recession. 11 years ago. So, you know, what's old is new again. And hopefully I can have information there that will help people through whatever's happening right now. Isn't that wild? Doesn't 11 years ago seem like yesterday? I blinked. <laughs> it just does not seem like we've been, it feels really weird that I think I met all of you guys in Denver at the second FinCon. Like that is so strange that it's been that long. FinCon's having its what, 10th year. So eight years ago, that's wild. Uh, and then let's talk about the conference. If somebody's interested in in Elevate, where do they go? Yes. ElevateWDC.com. That's Elevate Washington, D.C. Um, lots of information there about what the conference is about, um, who should attend, and what we're hoping to accomplish in general. Uh, we're making some moves in personal finance, reaching people who we think have been underserved and more people who will need this information with this recession. So I'm really happy about the conference and hope that uh, after all this stuff happens, it'll still be happening. Man, we got our fingers crossed because I got to tell you, last year, my social media feed was blowing up because everybody was talking about how awesome it was. It was That's great. And it's even bigger this year. Yeah, it, we are yeah. three times the size this oh, year. That's fantastic. Lots of people. We sold, um, I think we sold like 75% of our tickets already. Uh, so, you know, it would be nice to have this party conference conference I keep making that mistake. It would be nice to have this conference <laughs> 
in DC because I think we'd have a really, really good time and, you know, make a difference in the world as well. Awesome. And we'll link to everybody's stuff on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Nah, sure thing, Joe. I got this one. So what should we have learned today? First, if we don't want to waste money at the grocery store, we need to plan better. Plan out meals ahead of time and use a list so you aren't finding yourself wandering into the candy aisle. Second, starting a side hustle or operating a business, think about how you're different than a regular consumer and look for partners who can help your journey and make banking, payroll, and maybe even invoicing easier. But the big lesson... Don't write Disney trivia for Joe. Who wrote that anyway? I mean, Richie? Nah, okay, Richie, you get to go nod your head while Joe tells you all about how Epcot's going to change and the new Mickey Mouse ride is so awesome. I took the three-hour shift last night. I'm lucky I'm still alive, man. A special thanks to Sandy Smith from YesIamCheap.com for coming down to the basement and playing along with us today. Also, thank you to George from Joust. Oh, that's fun to say. George from Joust. George from Joust. Yeah, I like it. Thank you to George from Joust for joining us in our fintech segment to talk to us about Joust. You'll find George and Joust at Joust.com. Oh, he totally missed an opportunity there. He should have gone with George from Joust.com. I mean, you just say it over and over again. George from Joust. George from Joust. That's awesome. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com and Afford Anything Podcast. All the Afford Anythings. Len Penzo was gold on today's show, wasn't he? Well, at least he's hoarding it all under his bed. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes. Not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a bonus section of the show. As I mentioned earlier, we wanted to talk exactly about how Joust works. And we originally recorded this. That was our goal was to have a regular Friday FinTech segment. And as I mentioned before, this gentleman is the COO and co-founder of an institution that we use for our business banking. They're called Joust. You heard about them earlier in the show. But let's talk about how this company was founded. A bonus here today, Friday FinTech still happening. Let's see if we can dial him in here on the shortwave again for a second appearance today. George Kurtica, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you? Great. Let's talk about Joust. Tell me about how this got started. I'm imagining you and your co-founder just talking about not getting paid or or, yeah. or what yeah, happened? I mean, at the end of the day, we both have a background in banking and finance. We both came at it from different angles. I worked at some larger financial institutions and, and a few smaller startups. 
I was working on banking APIs at BBVA, and Lamine, my co-founder, was a former federal bank regulator, the OCC, and you know he'd been out there on a few tasks for us on how to bank high-risk businesses, and we sort of combined and started chatting about different ways to, to you know, sort of nerding out, but we were at a banking conference in New Orleans, of all places, and we, were, we weren't on Bourbon Street. We were actually talking about <laughs> high-risk businesses and underwriting, and, uh, and he was telling me about how his previous company, he used this theory of uh, Gestalt, a 19th century Berlin school of thought of, of, of the human brain being able to leap to conclusions and computers not being able to do that. And lo and behold, what we did was we built this underwriting technology that underpins Joust. And so a couple of banking nerds meeting at a banking conference, figuring out that we've got this great way to deploy liquidity in underserved markets. And one of the underserved markets we thought of was is freelancers and, and independent contractors not getting paid. We had both been independent contractors in the past and not getting paid with no recourse. I mean, literally either wait, hope that someone pays you. You have to sort of be your own collections department, which is uh, you know a little annoying, sort of takes time away from creating podcasts, for example. And we said, there's got to be a different way. And other than going to a friend or putting it on a personal credit card, there was really nothing. And we thought that invoice factoring being one of the oldest forms of finance in the world, what if we took it all the way down to sort of the single invoice level? And so lo and behold, sort of Joust was born. And, and we, the way we do it is bundling three products in one, a bank account, a merchant account, and invoice factoring all in one. So it's been a great couple of years getting that product to market, learning from our customers. But that's sort of where, where it was born. I'm sure you have numbers on this. This is not, you know, somebody driving down the road might go, oh, that sounds kind of like a niche market. This is a big, big market, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, majority of the U.S. workforce will be a freelance workforce or someone that at least done some freelancing by the uh, late 2020s, I think 2028. You know, you're talking about 70, 80 million people. If you combine small businesses and freelancers, I think at least 50 million people have done some sort of freelancing in the last year. Uh, you combine that with uh, 28 to 30 million small businesses, this is like 80 million people or businesses that we could address with this product. And so, yeah, it's not small uh, by any means. And, you know, certainly something that has the ability to, to be taken, you know, in other markets over, over you know, around the world. Uh, globally, freelancing and independent working is sort of a phenomenon. And, you know, when you're in a country sort of that has more social benefits like healthcare and education, you know, you may not want to work for a company anymore. And, and that's really it is. It's a shift in labor economics. You know, people yeah. aren't staying with, you know, working for Ford, for example, in, in Detroit for 20, 30, 40 years and getting a pension. They're going on and working on their own. And so that's been the shift. And, and that's what we've seen. So it's by no means slowing down. Well, and, and something I've noticed in the eight years that Stacky Benjamin has been around, George, this emphasis on side hustles, whether it's to pay off your credit cards that you've had forever or to get ahead or a little extra money, you're bored on the weekend. Like you're seeing a lot more of those people, too, I would imagine. Yeah, it's funny. We see a couple of different kinds of people. We see people that set up their account because you should, if you're starting a small business, bifurcate your personal finances from your business finances. We people set it up because they're anticipating becoming an independent contractor, freelancer. We see people who are already bringing their book of business. They've got clients and they just want to bring things over and consolidate them all in one. They're spending 10, 12 hours a week reconciling all the tools. So we give them that all in one tool. And then we see people that that are doing maybe some more, you know, consulting type freelancing, but also they'll do some dog walking or oh. they'll drive for Uber or Lyft on the weekends just to, like you said, maybe save up a little bit extra money, uh, go on a vacation, pay down a loan. 
And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's it. You see people dabbling in sort of freelancing and we're there to cater to all kinds. So it's been interesting to see. Well, let's dive into how it works then. So I decide to start my dog walking business and I need a, I need a bank account. I like the fact that I can, uh, well, we'll talk about pay armor here in a minute, but you can mm-hmm. help me if, if my client's a little slow to pay, tell me about what I do. What walk me through it. Do I go through website or an app? Sure. Yeah. So right now we're mobile apps, uh, iOS and Android. You would download the apps and we are setting you up with a bank account. We work with a community bank in Kansas City called NBKC Bank. Very progressive, fun bank. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just as a side, not to cut you off, George, but for people that are longtime listeners of the show, there are so many, so many fintech companies that we've had on the show that works with NBKC because of, yeah. of how cool they are. And I've actually been there. And met with Zach and Ann and, and a lot of the people there. And what a, what a cool, cool institution. They've been great partners to work with to take this idea forward. And I've worked with a few different banking partners in my career. And, you know, they've been certainly the most fun, the most uh, willing to learn with you. And I think that's been great. So you get your FDIC insured bank account through NBKC. Uh, you get your Visa debit card. That's part of the Patriot Act. You have to onboard. We have to know who you are. And so that's the basis of the Joust underwriting platform. It's looking at you and then you come in, you download the app, you get everything set up. You set up your first client, you import your, you know, a client that you're working for, do some work with, and you get, we give you a robust invoicing tool. Uh, you send them that invoice and you have a choice. You know, you could either send a standard invoice. Actually, you could send an estimate to send a standard invoice and they'll get an email and they could just click pay with credit card or pay with bank account. And the money just shows up in your Joust bank account. Or this is kind of the cool thing, the pay armor product. We build up a trust like you know, I talked about trust scores and gestalt. So we look at the relationships you have with your clients. And once we see invo- a good period of invoice activity, you start to unlock liquidity. You know, your risk rating goes down for us. And what we do is we give you the opportunity to um, instantly fund that invoice. We do it for a fixed fee, 6%, or guarantee that you get paid in 30 days. So maybe you're a little bit, you know, you just need to know that money's going to come in in 30 days. We do that for 1% of the invoice price. And so for much, much less than going and putting things on a personal credit card or going to get a loan from a bank, we give you access to that work you've already done through an asset, which is an invoice you know, again, no one's really doing that at the single invoice level. And, and so that's it. It's as easy as clicking a button and, and getting paid. When you talk about building that trust, how long does that take? Is it a certain number of transactions that you're looking at? Is it uh, X amount of yep. time? How does that work? Yeah, you know, we uh, we look at one or two, maybe three transactions from the same client where we would then give you access to the pay armor product. You know, we're building that risk and that trust score. Certainly, we see our fair share of people coming in with fake identities or synthetic identities, and we sort of root them out of the system. We've been lucky enough, uh, you know, knock on wood, not to have lost any money due to fraud because our models are so robust. We, we built this on compliance, you know, know your customer and sort of know your business, if you will, technology. So we're pulling from lots of data sources. We look at phone records, we look at email addresses. And, you know, it turns out if you're Joe and you're invoicing George at Joust, those are domains that have existed for a while, emails that have existed for a while, phone numbers that have existed for a while. And once we see a couple of transactions go through, you're kind of good to go. You know, it's a real business then and and you can go ahead and, and do that. Is that then the primary way then, George, that you guys get paid? Yes, exactly. Um, you know, we make money on, well, we have a, a revenue share deal with NBKC. So money sitting in the bank account and then any debit card swipes, 
you don't pay that. Your merchant, anytime you shop at a restaurant or whatever, they pay that fee. We make money on payments processing. So like Stripe does today, uh, you know, you're getting that bundled in. So the standard 2.9%. And then we make money on the PayArmor product, the one in 6% fee. So uh, a few different lines of revenue, just based on the mechanic of sending an invoice and getting paid. So banking, I mean, just like any other bank account with any any other bank, very similar there. And then the pay armor fee, frankly, a lot less than I would pay if I decided to float it on my on my Chase card, as an example. Yeah, just exactly to- right. And that's it. It's giving us you that freedom and access to liquidity. It is an asset, right? At the end of the day, we could sort of go off and build a you know a big asset based uh, you know business off of this. And so we're just testing the market and seeing and. So far, um, the reception has been great. Now, you know, George, that uh, both listeners to the show don't pay attention that much. And so you could easily share with us some secret stuff that's coming up next at Joust. Yeah, really cool stuff we've got coming up. Obviously, we're continuing to evolve our own mobile products, things like goals and P2P and international remittances and wires. And then we're also looking at uh, some really strong partnerships. We get, as you can imagine, people reaching out every day, uh, insurance products like offering through the platform. Hey, you know, if you're a small business and maybe you don't realize you're DJ and you need event insurance, what about getting it through the Joss platform? So uh, looking at adjacent products that we could offer to sort of keep you in the ecosystem. And then for sort of a larger customers, we're looking at, you know, programmatic ways to, to get you access to pay armor through an API. So a lot of cool things we're working on right now. I was going to say, too bad there's nothing going on, man. <laughs> no, nothing at all. You know, small. We got a small team, but they're high performing, and it's it's just great to you know to work with them on these ideas. And we come up with all these great ideas and sort of test them with the market, and we're able to iterate quickly. And yeah, it's a lot, but it's it's better doing this than sitting in a large bank uh, where it takes two or three years to design a product. That's for sure. The site is called Joust, and and as George uh, so eloquently said, you can find it at the uh, App Store or uh, Google Play, right? That's right. App Store, Google Play, Joust.com or try.joust.com slash MWF. We got a a deal going. Yeah. a deal yeah. with my sister show money with friends so you can use that link and uh, and you'll see that we've got a very special deal there for all of our listeners thanks for doing that by the way george yeah no worries yeah thanks for hanging out by the way and explaining a little bit about joust to us i appreciate it it was my pleasure thanks joe Seem to be taking it seriously. <laughs> I saw a meme of somebody saying that they heard that it swells your throat up and makes you it curbs your appetite, makes you not want to eat anything. And then there's a meme of somebody like licking a doorknob. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the perfect weight loss program. <laughs> there's a great gif of a uh, a little kid who's like licking uh, like a handrail pole, and the the wording around it just says, "Honey, don't touch your face." Just don't touch your face. <laughs>
it's so good. I'm blessed to have these relatives who share the dumbest, shit, you know, spread like all the fake stuff. And my one cousin had this really, it's a really good, it seriously is a good official looking meme that shows like, uh, you know, you know, when you can see like inside somebody and there's like the hints of the skeleton and stuff. And it says, it says that coronavirus, and I believe this part's true that for like a telltale sign, the first few days is you have a sore throat. And I've heard that for a lot of people that has been true, but anyway, but then this meme says, if you gargle with warm salt water during that four day period, it'll get rid of it and you won't get it. And, and you know, what's funny was that I wanted to go after her, but then I realized it's my cousin Gail and everybody else already thinks she's a moron. And if I go after her, then I'll just look like a moron too. But I, but all I wanted to put, and I held back was just hashtag science. That's all I was going to put. I can't believe scientists had that right in front of them. We could have cured the whole pandemic with warm salt water. Thank you, Gail. I told, I told these guys, Sandy, that I was not going to drink today until like five minutes ago. Is that, is that, is that oh, vodka? Right. This is the wine. Is that straight? Podcast, is that straight right? vodka? No, no, no. no. I'm drinking a water with it's, electrolytes. It's St. Okay. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um, I you know, realized I've got that whole liver gallbladder thing, so I've got a oh. yeah, yeah. water reverse osmosis water with electrolytes. Well, that means yes. you, is is your gallbladder missing, Sandy? It is now. Okay. Wow. Yeah, my my wife has gone too. That's a she side effect that. of pregnancy. Oh, is that right? Yeah, she has mm-hmm. a thing in her family. A whole bunch of family members have had to have theirs removed. So, well, you know what that means, Len. If Sandy can't drink today, that means we're drinking for two. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you I can handle that. Wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm drinking for Sandy as well. All right, Karen's going to get us. Who the hell won last week? No, she's Paula? saying she's saying it's Len four OG four Paula two. That is not correct. No, it's Len. I wrote it down. It's, now it's it's five four two. I know that I'm two. I don't know anybody else. Yeah, Paula won last week. She got the. Uh, oh, what was that, Paula? It was the. Uh, That's right, five four two. It is five four two. She yeah, I'm writing it down now. That's it. We do this every week. I've got it down. Well, no, Karen's got it. I'm the idiot that doesn't have it. And I haven't uploaded the show that we recorded last week yet. So, so she is. What no was idea. the question? I forgot what the question was last week. Is that, is there going to be a quiz? <laughs> huh? I seriously don't remember the question either. Do you remember I the think, question, Paula? I think this is, I think this is really a, uh, like how good is your memory type of a quiz and we're all failing. I hope that's not the first symptom. Like what? <laughs> like, excuse my language here. Gargle but... with salt water. <laughs> Here's everything. <laughs> well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees 
are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy federal website, resources like best cities after service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.